Hey, it's good to have you with us, and if you're visiting us again today, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, today you have a double opportunity tonight, come and join us for worship, where we just set aside anything, any plan, and we just worship him, and it's really an incredible, intense time. But if you've got your Bibles with you today, I'd like you to turn them with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And also, don't forget, today you can get message notes from what I'm sharing if you go to the app and there should be a sign appearing behind me anytime. If you go to the app and go to the area called Blogs and Resources, there's message notes that have just gone live right now uh, that give you the key verses, the key thoughts, and the key points of what I'm sharing this morning. We've had some great feedback from people, and don't worry about people getting up and leaving, that's just our ignition group going out. I haven't offended anyone. Uh, I don't think I have anyway. I, I don't know these days when I do. So um, maybe people are getting up and walking out because I said, I don't know. But I think it's our ignition group. But if you go to the Family Church app, um, have we got that screen we can put up? Um, you'll see a section there called Blogs and Resources. And in there, you'll see today's message, which is about replacing worry for trust. And you can then follow through with the scriptures today or during the week, follow through, because I've included some further verses to study on this. Um, so I want to talk today just about replacing, choosing to replace worry, which is a very real thing, with trust, which is a greater thing. And we're living in times where there's so much, isn't there, going on around us that could certainly cause people to be worried. What's another name for worry? Anxiety fear, being weighed down with cares. If ever we're living in a moment where people could be affected by worry, it's really today, isn't it? On many levels, on many layers. I can't actually personally, I'm, I'm only 50, how old am I? 50 what, 57 about now, right? I'm only 57, but I can't remember a time in my life where there was so much happening at one time that could potentially cause worry. But I've also, I've made a purpose or a commitment in my heart to know what Jesus teaches on worry. And that's what we're going to look at today. If you watched the news this week, here's some of the headlines that you could have picked up on. And all of these could be potential causes to be worried now, I also want to welcome Timmy and Livy. They're, they're traveling in the UK, I forgot to say. She's my daughter, Livy and Timmy. They're going to be with us next week, and I'm going to get them to share a little bit next week about what they've been doing in the United Kingdom and Western Europe as they're traveling with a team uh, preaching the gospel. But it's great to have you guys home today. Now, when you watch the news, you go through the channels, and suddenly people, well, not so much now, but people are talking about worldwide pandemics and no sooner as they got over talking about one, they've renamed another one. And they just can't say that it's over. They have to say there's a possible new variant coming just to keep people um, on edge. But then you go across the channels or you open a paper. And this is just a snapshot of this week. Energy costs increasing by 54%. Anyone else here from there? Uh, provider this week uh, they said just want to encourage you that your gas and electric are going up by 54 percent that's quite a big jump isn't it that can have a reaction in people's hearts that are living on a very tight budget as it is but then you turn to another channel and they say not only that fueling crisis you know fuel crisis fuel prices are going to be high like we're in a clap or something 
fuel prices are going to be higher than they've ever been in history. And again, that could concern people that have vehicles and cars. But then you, then you turn another channel. Oh, no, no, there's more. Cost of living is going up. The price of food on the shelves is going up. Borrowing and interest rates are going up. It just keeps on coming. And then, of course, you turn on the news and you see the edge of a, a possible World War III, where you've got a lunatic leading a country that's no different to a child that, when he loses Monopoly, wants to turn the board over. The guy's insane. You've got all this happening. That could bring a lot of worry anxiety and fear, it really can, any one of those things could be carriers of worry, fear and anxiety into your life. Now we're living in a time where most of us are managing or dealing with a number of those things. Come on, let's be real this morning. A number of us today are dealing with a number of those things on a personal level Maybe the things that are happening with cost of living increases are really affecting you. That's real life. We're all living in it, aren't we? Maybe you've suddenly got a report from a doctor or you've been asked to go and have an exam. That, that's real, isn't it? And those things that affect us personally really have the potential to carry this thing called worry, anxiety and fear into the core of who we are when you lay there at night and you can't get what if, what if, what if, what if. Don't tell me I'm alone today. But then you've also got what the Bible foretold would naturally unfold in the time that we're living. If you look at the news and see the wars and rumours of wars, earthquakes famines, decline in social conduct, morality, and don't see that these things were actually foretold by Jesus and Paul, then you don't read your Bible very much, do you? I've heard many Christians going, who could have imagined these things that are happening, happening? We don't even need to imagine, you just need to read your Bible. But Jesus said, Towards the end of time, just before I return, there will be wars, rumours of wars, earthquakes, people turning on each other. And you can read about that, it's in the notes on Matthew 24, verses 4 to 13. But then you turn to Timothy, and Timothy says in chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, that in the end times, in the times before Jesus returns... There'll be a moral decline. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, if we look at what's happening in the world today and say, wow, that's a surprise. Well, actually, that's because we don't believe what the Bible's been teaching. You say, well, people have always taught about the end times. Yeah, but we're closer now than what we are when they did, if that makes sense. If you see all that's going on in the world, come on, you've got to look at it and say, the Bible said this would happen. This isn't something that's surprising us. It's just what Jesus foretold unfolding. You say, well, you're a happy guy this morning, Andy, aren't you? Told us all about the headlines and the news and cost of living. Wow, 
Glad I came to church today, Andy. Thanks. Now for some good news. You see, for us that follow Jesus, the words of Jesus need to cut through the noise of worry, anxiety, and panic. The words of Jesus Christ, our living Lord and Savior, need to cut through the noise of all of those other voices in such a way that God brings peace to the innermost part of who we are, the depth of our soul, so that even if we can hear the waves and the storms around us that are blowing, it's real, our hearts remain untroubled. But just as the disciples knew the peace of Jesus in the midst of the storm, So Jesus wants you as his follower and his family today to know his peace at the core of who you are. Not fear that takes your breath away. Not worry of things not yet seen. Not anxieties that come to not just rob your sleep, but also the very health in your body. In the midst of the storm, the words of Jesus Christ need to cut through and be louder than the words that we're hearing on the media. Now we know that 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says to us clearly that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So that tells me that fear is a spirit, right? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But fear is a spirit and fear wants to get into your heart to cause anxiety, care, worry, striving, and stress. Yet the Bible says... God never gave a spirit of fear, rather he gave a spirit of power, love, soundness of mind, lack of timidity. I want to make sure that I'm harboring or hosting in my life that which comes from God and not that which was sent from an enemy. Now, his promises... And assurances bring real and lasting peace to us, even in the midst of noisy storms. You see, the Bible is not a book of concepts or facts, but living promises spoken from God to us, not just the people that first heard these words. Yes, the Bible is written by man, but let us never forget, church, It was only written by man, it was given by God. And it wasn't given for a people in a certain generation. It was given for every follower of Christ, that's you and me, independent of what generation we may be in. These words are still God's words to us today. 
So should we take a moment to let Jesus preach this morning on the subject of worry? All right? Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, natural related things, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do neither sow nor reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value and more worth than a bird in the sky or a blade of grass? Can any one of you, by worrying, actually add an inch or a single hour to your life? Does it achieve anything, Jesus is saying? And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers of the field and how they grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God, your father, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more? clothe you, O you a little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans or the unsaved, those that don't know God, spend their life running after these things. And your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. Rather seek first his kingdom his righteousness, right relationship with him. And all these things that others are striving to get, he will add to your life as well. Therefore, third time, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough worry. Of its own. We need to let the words of Jesus cut through the noise of the life that we're currently living in to produce within us a trust in Him, not a fearful heart. Now, these words are being spoken in the midst of that passage of Scripture called the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I've loved listening. Pastor Gene has been doing a Bible study and covering Matthew on Wednesdays now. And I've loved it. And we've spoken about this Bible study. And we've seen it in a fresh way. But imagine this, at that moment when Jesus, right, is sitting on a mountain telling people the best way to live. Sometimes we lose scope, but that's God sitting on a mountain explaining the life that he's provided for humanity to humanity, teaching them the best way to live the life he gave them. You see, Jesus was fully God. He was the total reflection of everything the Father was. If you saw Jesus, you'd sin the Father. We lose scope sometimes because of the earth suit of Christ. But what happened on the mountain in those moments of beatitudes, God himself stepped out of heaven, sat on a mountain and did a seminar on how to live life the best you can. 
within that seminar, he gets to the subject of worry. Not just for those seated at the bottom of that mountain in that moment, but for us also. The Beatitudes are really the attitudes that a believer or a follower of Christ should have. Notice three times he says in verse 25, 31 and 34, three times, do not worry. Do not worry. It wasn't a suggestion, it was a commandment. It's like the commandment, repent and be baptized. We're not asking if you feel like doing it. If you've not been baptized, you should be at the Empower Center tonight at 6.30 and let us baptize you in water. These things are not suggestions or optional extras. If we won't walk in obedience to something as simple as water baptism, my goodness, what else won't we do? But in the same way, Jesus turns to us and says, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I like what the King James Version says or puts it this way. Take no thought for. Take no thought for what you're going to wear. Take no thought for what you're going to eat. If you look at the word thought that's used there, it's the Greek word merinuna, and it means to be anxious. So Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about natural things like what you're going to wear. Just because the society around you is worrying about those things, don't be like the society around you. Trust the words that I'm speaking to you of the Father's provision and knowledge of your needs. Eight quick tips that I get from this passage of Scripture. Are you ready? I know eight seems a long journey when you're at number one, but we're going to move quickly, all right? When I read through these passages of Scripture in Matthew 6, eight things jump out at me. Number one, God knows about every natural, everyday need in your life. God knows. He reveals in this passage of Scripture, (coughs) he is not unaware of what you need. I'm a father to five children. I live in a consistent knowledge of the needs of my children. In the same way, how much more does our heavenly father know the things that we need? Not just the spiritual things, but the natural things. It was him that gave the children of Israel shoes that never wore out. God knows what you need. When the world is saying panic about natural things, God is saying, trust me, I know what you need. I love it how he uses within verses 26 to 28, (coughs) natural and botanical examples. He says, look at the birds. Do you see them stressing out? Do you see them crashing into walls? Conservatory windows, yeah, I get to see that happen in the summer quite often. But you see birds in nests chewing their little claws. I don't know where we're going to get seed. I don't know where we're... Now, most of you know, I've got a... Well, Gina's got a cockapoo she lets me share called Poppy. Poppy's never worried. I go home and I've got bills to pay. I've got food to provide for my family. I've got to find 54%. She lays on the couch 
with a leg going in four different directions. And all she cares about is, am I going to rub her belly? I've never seen her walk through the living room and go, will I have kibble this week, Dad? Will there be water in my bowl? Come on, anyone that's owned a dog, especially anything that's got poo in it, like cockapoo, or, you know, they don't worry about nothing. They have perfect trust in you. God says, they're not of worth to me like you are. Look at the birds. Look at the cockapoos. Look at the animals. They have what they need. Then he says, botanically, he says, look at the plants. Aren't they glorious? Don't you love to put them on a vase in your table? Aren't they beautiful? I did that. And if I did that for something that's going to be cut down and burned, how much more is my intention towards you? So number one, you need to understand that God knows the everyday natural needs of your life. Number two, in verse 26, it teaches us that we're to understand our worth and our value to God. You see, following on from the previous thought, the reason that some people can't trust God is they don't believe that they're of more worth than a bird. You need to repair your identity. That of all the things that God made, only humanity was made in his image and his likeness. He never made monkeys, birds, or angels for fellowship. He made you and me. We need to answer this question, am I worth more to God than a lily? Now maybe you've got a low self-esteem. Get into the word of God, he'll deliver you from that. Because what determines the worth of something is what somebody will pay for it. Come on, have you ever watched Antiques Roadshow? I've sat there on the couch when it used to be on Sunday afternoons. I don't know where it is now. And they would bring out this scrappy old shelf that somebody was keeping their paint tins on. And they'll look at it, and I'm laying on the couch, and I'm like, how cheeky of you to bring that to the Antiques Roadshow. I wouldn't give you pound eighty for it. It's rubbish. Then all of a sudden, the expert comes and says, whoa! whoa, that was Nelson's B-Day or something. Oh, that's worth £100,000. I'm sitting there with my cup of tea going, are you kidding me? I wouldn't give you £1.80, but it's not about my opinion. It's about the expert has determined what would be paid for it. Its worth is now that. Do you not know that you weren't bought with the blood of animals? But God paid for your redemption by shedding the blood of his only beloved son. Don't tell me you're of no worth. Number three, it says in verse 27, you need to understand that worry can't grow you or help you. Actually, worry is a form of atheism. Think about it. Worry is a form of atheism. Because if God's given you a promise that he's going to do something, and you say he can't or he won't, you're denying his ability. Maybe not his existence, 
but his ability to do what he promised that he would. It can't add anything. Now, I feel sometimes a spirit of fear knocking on the door of my life. I just choose not to open it because I don't do fear. Because I know it's not from God and it brings nothing of heaven into my life. But sometimes I can lay there. There's something about the nighttime hour, isn't there? Where little molehills become, become huge mountains. Am I alone up here? Anybody else get this stuff or is it just my weird world? You go to bed and the problem's about that big. About two in the morning, it's like a gigantic overshadowing mountain. But in the morning when the alarm goes off, it's shrunk again to being a molehill. That's why the spirit of fear prays at night because your defenses are down. That's why we need to be fired up when we go to sleep saying, my God is able to provide. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. God has given me power, love and a sound mind. When I sleep, he gives sleep to his beloved. Blessed are those whose minds are stayed on him. Come on, we've got to not take off our armour when we go to bed. Say, God is still God when I'm asleep as he is when I'm awake. Because worry can add nothing to you. This is Jesus' teaching. Number four, what comes out of your mouth is what you're entertaining in your heart. You can read it. Jesus says this. What comes out of your mouth, verse 31, is what you're entertaining in your mouth. So you could fake it for a little bit like, hey, I'm victorious, I'm an overcomer. Oh, I'm in Christ. But then when you're having a chat with someone over coffee, it's all going wrong. I don't know how we're going to surprise But whenever you sing anything, it's the tune of Titanic. You drive to work. Wherever you are, oh, I know that my heart will go. You're seeing yourself sinking like Leonardo DiCaprio, unable to be... We've got to make sure that sinking is not in our heart, but actually trust in his promises is in our heart. So that the song of our mouth is not one of impending failure and death, rather a victory that's on its way, it just hasn't arrived yet. Faith in the heart produces faith on your lips. What's in the toilet cistern will appear in the bowl. Your mouth is the bowl to what you contain in your heart. Get fear out of your heart. Get the promises of God and the peace that passes all understanding into your heart by meditating on the word. And then you'll hear yourself with a better confession. Okay, number five. Your heavenly father already knows what you need. God, as any good parent, is not unaware of the things you need. Now, again, there's me and there's Gina. And uh, Gina lives with awareness of what the girls need. Even when I'm not fully aware, God is both Andy and Gina in the person of who he is over the well-being of his children. God knows. Isn't that incredible? Before you ask, God knows what you need. Now, most of the time, a child comes to a parent, they don't surprise the parent with their request, unless it's, can I have a video game, can I have movies for the cinema, then it's a surprise, actually, it's a shock. 
But if it's about the ongoing daily needs of their life, the parent has already worked out what the child needs. How much more does God know the natural needs of his people before we make him aware? Sometimes I think when people pray, they think God's gone, oh yeah, sorry, I missed that. Boy, we'd be in a sad state of affairs if that was the eternal God that runs heaven and earth, right? God, could I just let you know I need some new shoes? Oh, sorry, Andy, missed that one. Thanks for letting me know. Come on, God knows what you need before you ask. And he doesn't want us to beg. We're children, not servants. Number six, God says we're not to live like those that don't know him. He said, don't live like a pagan or a heathen. What did he mean by that in verse 32? The unsaved people, the people that don't know me yet, should be freaking out because there's no solid ground under their feet. But you shouldn't live like the unsaved. You should have peace in your heart, not fear, worry, and anxiety. Don't live like those. Don't act like those. Don't expect like those that don't know him. Then in verse, then the seventh point is, rather seek first the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's the rule and reign of the king. God says, here's the deal I make with you. Just Put your attention on seeking first my rule and reign in and over and through your life. If you do that, I'll give you everything that you need for life and godliness. But what we often do is we give our attention and our striving and our passion. How do I get this? How do I get that? It's like a factory setting, isn't it? But the moment we stop consciously pursuing God, we go back to the factory setting of, of self-care. I've got to get, I've got to do, I've got to get, I've got to do. But God says, no, come on, break the cycle. Seek first the king the kingdom, relationship with God. If you do that, God will take care of giving you the things that your unsaved neighbour is dying to apprehend. Don't be keeping up with the Joneses. Let the Joneses be watching what God does in your life. And number eight, the final one. Jesus says, come on, some of you aren't even worrying about today. You're worrying about a year's time. Some of you are worrying about next month. As I provided the manna for the children of Israel, I'll provide the manna for your daily needs, but I'm not going to feed your fears. You need to trust me for today. And when the sun goes down and the sun rises again, you trust him for that day. We hate that, just like the children of Israel. We want to cram manna in a jar so we've got next week taken care of. God says, no, I want you to trust me. I've given you your provision for today. My provision for your tomorrow is in the sunrise and in the dawn of that moment. Okay, what's the alternative to worry? Is there an alternative? Yeah, there is. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 is that counteracting verse where it says, rather than worry, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, not some of them, acknowledge him and he will then be the director of your life. 
Three things that compensate worry. Three things you should replace worry, anxiety, and carefulness with is, number one, trusting him. Not with some of your ways, but with all of your ways. Leaning not on your own understanding or reasoning. And number three, acknowledging him. Trust, acknowledge, lean not on your own understanding. And I believe when we do that, we actually welcome peace into our hearts instead of what the worry of the world is trying to get in. I believe troubled times, which these could certainly be described as troubled times, naturally speaking, are when believers develop a deeper trust relationship with God. Ever the opportunist, to me, when things external to my world get tougher, it's time for me to trust harder. It's not time for me to shrink back in unbelief, but to say, this mountain's bigger than the last one, Lord, but you're still bigger than every mountain. You see, we need to parallel these thoughts, not as random things that Jesus said. In Matthew 6, a little bit later on, verses 9 to 13, Jesus teaches us to pray this way, relationally. And when you pray, don't pray, my God, pray, our Father, who are in heaven. God wants us to know him as our providing Father in the seasons that may be strange. But then recently, me and Gina have been living for a while now, every day, in Psalms 23. Because Psalms 23 is a beautiful antidote to fear coming into your life. What does, that, what does Psalm 23 teach us? Oh, the Lord... He's not only your father, but he's your shepherd. The Lord, he is my shepherd. I will lack for nothing. Come on, Psalm 23 apparently is the most well-known verse of scripture in the Bible to most people. We often use it at funerals when we should be using it for the lives that we're living. The Lord, he is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He gives me everything I need, not always everything I want, but he promises he'll give me everything I need. He causes me to lay down. He causes me to experience streams. He lays a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He lets the chaos around me watch me dine with him. Come on, these are days when we need to not be giving our hearts over to worry, fear, and dread, but saying, Lord, I thank you in these moments. Let me know you more than I ever have as my good, good Father in heaven. Lord, let me know you as my good shepherd. Remember, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. What do shepherds do? Shepherds feed, lead, and provide all of the needs of the sheep that are in their care. Jesus wants to be the one in your life who gives you what you need, he feeds. He takes you where you need to go, he leads. And also, he provides every need for your life. So, okay, let's close this down this morning. So, if we're in possession of cares, 
worries, fears, and anxieties. What are we to do with them? Maybe you've said, brilliant description of life today, Andy, in the opening part, 10 points, 10 points. Brilliant description of the chaos of life that we live in today. Well articulated, Andy. Brilliant opportunity to move from worry and fear and to, from this moment, trust the Lord instead of live in worry. Now, here's the problem, Andy. I'm carrying some fears right now. <laughs> You've told me about what I need to do next, but Andy, I want to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm carrying some worries for me and for my family, for the things, the future. I, I'm carrying some anxieties and I feel a little bit like a suitcase this morning. But I hear what you're saying about how I should live now. But what do I do with these worries, these cares, these fears that have been keeping me awake this week? But any time I go to rest, they wake me up and say, be scared again. Andy, are you a practitioner or are you just a theorist? Is there something that you can tell me I can do with the fears and the worries and the cares that are in my life? Absolutely not, but Jesus can. Let me end with these verses. 1 Peter 5, verses 7 to 8. Cast all your anxieties, fears and cares on him. Because he is now the caregiver of your life. I don't need to give you an option because God already did. If there's worries and fears, why don't you take time even right now in this moment or during this day as you spend more time talking to the Lord to cast those fears. Remember, when somebody casts a fishing line, they don't go, they don't go like this, they don't go like this. You cast. Maybe all of us could experience a moment this afternoon where we get fears, worries, anxieties of days that are coming, things we've not seen, things that are unknown. And we take a moment, pull away from the crowd, go into a private moment in the audience of one and cast those things. Say, Jesus, you told me to throw these things, these worries and these cares at your feet because you're now my caregiver. Final verse of the day, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, speaking to the Lord, always with thanksgiving, present your needs and your requests to your Father and your Shepherd. And then the peace that comes from God which transcends all understanding, will come and guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we come to you today and we come to exchange worry. If this is your prayer this morning, you've been worried and fearful, just stand up right now. Come on, join me. I'm standing. We're going to exchange just in a couple of seconds at the end. Oh, me and Carla, that's great. Anybody else? Come on, God wants you to cast those at his feet this morning. Have you got worries and fears and cares about things unseen in today or next week or next month or next year? Come on, Jesus is saying, 
Come on, let me take those things from you and let me give you peace. Come on, there's about two or three other people. Don't let pride keep you in your chair. That's ridiculous. If you're battling fear, worry, anxiety, you don't want to leave with it. You may have came with it, but you don't want to leave with it. That's ridiculous. When Jesus is saying, cast it on me, because I care for you. Let me give you the peace that passes and transcends all understanding, human reasoning. Let's just pray this together. Thank you, Father, that you invite me to cast my cares on you. Jesus, my good shepherd, you invite me to leave my cares and worries at your feet so that's what I do Lord I let go of my fears my cares my anxieties I drop them on the floor just imagine yourself dropping them on the floor just dropping them on the floor at his feet now I want you all to lift your hands you've let go of what was in them cares, worries, anxieties Right, now we're going to fill you with what God promised you would know. In the name of Jesus, let the peace that passes all understanding come upon the people of God right now. Let the peace that transcends all understanding come upon your people right now. Jesus, just release your peace. Holy Spirit, let peace break out in the lives of your people right now all over this room. As fear dissipates, as anxiety steps aside, let peace right now, peace that passes all understanding right now come upon the hearts of your people. Father, we thank you that fear is uprooted, anxiety is pulled out right now, and peace is planted in the heart of your people. You give sleep to those who have not been sleeping. You give rest to those who have not been restful. They've been stressful. Right now, you remove the stress and you replace it with rest. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, let the peace that passes, transcends all understanding. Flood and fill your heart and mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big round of applause today. Remember, church, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are in the world, but we're not of it. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. At the back where it says welcome home, there'll be two or three of our pastors that are ready to stand with you and pray a prayer of salvation this morning. If you've never known God, take a moment. Let's invite you to Jesus today. If you've been away from God and you're coming back, take a moment. Meet Sean and the team at the back. They just want to pray for you. They want to give you a Bible and they want to make sure that you leave this building with the opportunity to belong to God. Amen. So this week... Let's keep Wayne and the team prayed up. But let's also be conscious to when fear comes to the door of our life. Don't open the door and say, this isn't a package from God. So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the advice of Elvis Presley. Return to sender. Address unknown. No such number. No such zone. Send fear back from where it came.
so that the peace that passes all understanding can reign in and through your life. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.